Today's episode, Dave interviews Phil Lamar. Phil has appeared in Pulp Fiction, Mad TV, and Futurama. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Really good. Been in town or out of town? I've been, uh, I've been to San Francisco, uh, doing the Improv Fest over there. Oh, really? Uh, the San Francisco Improv Festival. It's great. It's a great festival. It's, it's kind of brand new. Okay, you never did ask. any of that stuff, did you? I went to Chicago Festival once when I was out here, and there used to be one in Austin. Mm-hmm, right. I've never been to Fris- San the Francisco. The big stinking one in Austin. Is that right. the one you went yeah, to? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, that ceased to exist, didn't it? Yeah, that was a crazy fucking thing. That was really crazy. It's so many people. Because it's just a party. It's a huge, stupid party. Well, and it was funny because you had, like, I remember one year I was there, and there was the state, and then we were watching this other group perform, and I'm like, dear God, have these people ever performed in front of people before? It was like, you know, Arizona State University, the Gobos! And what, did, what, what got you about that, that where you go, how, have they ever, what, what was it that made you go, what the? They were just so bad. Oh, fuck. You know, just, and, and I was not as jaded as I am now. Right. So it still horrified me. It still hurt <laughs> to watch bad improv at that point. Like, no. Ah, God, uh, no. Right. You know. Were you watching one, one guy go out and go, oh, no, 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 don't go out, don't go out, no, don't right. go out. Right. And you just see, it's like, oh, God. Right. Just, no, okay. Yeah, no yeah. commitment, no timing, no nothing. Just, but you think you're hilarious. Did you teach when you were at the Groundlings? Did yeah. you teach? You taught there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until the kids, until I had the kids, actually. And since then, I actually loved teaching. Although I remember, <laughs> I, I taught for a while, then I took a break, and then I went back to teaching. I think I was subbing in for somebody who dropped out. And I had forgotten that it wasn't a workshop, that we had to grade them. Oh, oh, And oh. so, like, right. we, we go through the 12 classes, and the 12th class, like, all right, everybody, we're going to do it. And I'm going through the curriculum. It's like, and they're like, so will we be doing our conferences tonight after class oh. or at another time? And I'm like, you're... Right. Conferences. Right, right. Because you have to tell them whether they're taking the class again or moving on. Right. And I'm just like, right, we're going to do that <laughs> right after class. So we're going to take an extra long break <laughs> while I go That's through. like an actor's nightmare where you're like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm oh not ready. God. No, and then the groundlings are really tough. It's really tough. I got a friend who's over there and... And taking, cl- taking, taking classes. classes over there, and it's really tough. And yeah. I get people who are, and we talk about it a lot. I talked it with, about it with Mo Collins uh, when Mo is here. Just like how different it is over there than at other schools, because yeah. they get really well. I don't know. If, they get really personal. In terms they? of well, the, these I I, I know students are, who are like brutalized. You know what? Yeah, it's funny. I was I was talking to. Uh, Actually, a couple of people about uh, the different schools of improv here in L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got a friend who takes over at Impro Theater. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, you know, offshoot of Bay Area Theater. Right. Very serious, but it's like deep work. It's yeah. like, all right, everyone go home and read Jane Austen. Right. The complete works of Jane Austen. Right. And we're going to come back. And over the course of six months, we're going to work the style, you know. And, you know, there's like, you know, people go, it's like, oh, I just want to get on stage, man. But that's not, the place, that's not the place for you to go. Exactly. If, that, if that's a place where you want to study, like right. literally study, and the Groundlings is somewhere in between, where there's like a real like set curriculum. But the, the weird thing is, within that curriculum, you get a wide range of experiences based on who's teaching it. Right. And like I remember when I was coming up, I had, you know, one teacher. I remember I had Melanie Graham, who was brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, she was of that school of teachers who would just go, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop! Get off the stage! Right, you know, just right, oh, right, uh, right, right. And then I also had Steve Hibbert, who was the ultimate nurturing teacher. Right, right, right. Okay, right, everyone, right. round of applause for them. Um, perhaps killing your scene partner was not the strongest, the most high percentage <laughs> choice. Right, you know? right. And I had people in both classes who hated both teachers. Right. Like, there were some people who really respond to that, having their ass kicked. Thing. Right. And in Steve's class, there were people like, how could he let them get up there and do that? Why does he tell them they suck? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm the first person 
I'm more, I'm, I, I'm not brutal, but I'll go, okay, stop, stop, stop. What you're doing right now? I'm not, I won't say what you're doing right now. Don't do that. But I'll say, okay, um, what are you feeling right now? And they'll go, I'm feeling that. I'm like, no, you're not. What are you feeling right now? You're not feeling that. No, you're not feeling that. You're not, you're, right. you're, you're giving me what you think I want or you're giving me what you think the scene needs. Mm-hmm. But what the fuck are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? And I don't think people are, I made a woman cry the other day in class. Oh, I do it all the time, Phil. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. This woman cried three times. And most, most of the, now I'm going to say all the time because I'm not going to think most of them. All the time, they're ready. They're primed. Right. They were, you know, in the car going, oh, this is going to be a bad scene. Um, and uh, I made her cry. And then I made her cry again. And then I made her cry again. But my crying was, how do you feel about what you're doing? Like, I don't know. It's like, how do you not know what you're feeling? How do right. you not know what you're feeling? One. Two. What the fuck are you doing here? Because right. it was at I.O. What are you doing here? What are you right. doing here? Because if you want that, there's other schools that you can take. They're, they're going to teach you fucking parlor games. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like, right. what's going to happen is the actor is going to walk on stage. When they're off stage, mm-hmm. we're going to guess what we're going to do. It's like, do you want to fucking do that? Right. Have you ever seen a Herald? So when you, oh, did wow. you ever see, did you ever see Dell go off on somebody? No. I'm trying to think if, no, because most of our class was, was working with, like it was our college group. Mm-hmm. So I think he actually was softer with us. But you were might mixed in. You guys, I was thinking about it the other day because you came with all those, uh, you came with all the rest of your Yale people from yeah. Triple Crayon and you came over there to Iowa. What year was that? 85? That was 85 or 86. Can you believe that? <laughs> 85 or 86. Dude. And you came with all those people and what a lovely fucking group of people. Oh, some. some oh my I, God. And honestly, I think of that group, I'm the only one who's still performing. We had, um, some, we had some people who were just like brilliant minds, right. really creative people. You know, well, but a lot of those people are also they're doing other things. Like, isn't John Sylvain doing? Well, John, 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 yeah, John's always creative. He's writing, right. he's directing, and um, um, uh, Michael Barron, David Barron, David Barron, David, David Barron is like you know third in line at Hulu, right? You know, right, right, right. You know, right. I, I, I am Jacobs was like you know doing oh, internet Ian. startups in France, right? You know. I saw him. I bumped into him in Amsterdam. Are you serious? No, we've got that fucking bumped into you in Amsterdam. But so all those people were really great. But to watch those Dell, watch Dell deal with those people, right? Where I saw him go off on. I saw I, I saw him make Mick cry. Really? Yeah, he made Mick cry. He made Mick cry. And wow. uh, Mick Napier. He made Mick Napier cry. And it was like Mick. And then the next week he came in and he was okay. You know, it's right. like really nice to, to him. But you y'all came in and mixed it up with other people. So I don't know yeah. how he would be softer with you guys than with Well, I mean, it's else. certainly, I mean, I just don't remember him going off on anybody. Mm-hmm. But, but I think there's something else that actually has always, f- not freaked me out, but like blown my mind about teaching. As an adult teaching other adults, people regress. Like people can put the teacher up on a pedestal and all of a sudden they become 10 again. Right. And you know they'll whisper in the back. It's like, motherfucker, you paid four hundred dollars. Why are you whispering in the back? Right. Like this is this is not. There's no truant officer like the little rascal. Like you've got to get to school. Right. You chose to be here. Right. But people regress, and they like, and they're looking for your approval. I know. You know. I was I was talking to my my friend about that. She's like, well, like you know, I went to this one teacher, and they told me something. Then I go to this other class, and I get shit on for doing what the other teacher. I was like, sweetie, you're trying. He's like, I'm a good student. It's like, yeah. You're, you're beyond that now. Right. It's no, it's no longer time to be a good student. Like, a good student makes the teacher happy. You need to get what you need out of the class. Well, I had a lady, I had a woman in my class the other day said, you know, your notes, I really get your notes and I'm really working on your notes, but, you know, you could be nicer. I'm like, I'm not here to be your fucking friend. I'm not here to be your right. friend. You're treating me differently. Like, how would I treat you any differently than anybody else? Everybody starts out with zero right. at this default of zero. And then you just show me what you got and I'm able to go, okay, I deal with you in this way. I deal with you in this way. I deal with you in this way. But I deal with you differently, not because you're a douchebag just because you've got that's a school across the street just want you to know a lot of okay. people go what's up so um they, they I, you know i don't deal with you because i feel like oh i'm giving up on you i'm right. not fucking giving up on you and here's another thing if you are in la it's different than being in minnesota or being in kansas city because most of the people that are here want to be professional i right. think and if not, not necessarily like, oh, what's a professional improviser? You know, it can't be. <laughs> but you, they want to be professional. So what do I, they want to be professional. Why are you here? Right. 
why are you here? And and you work so much that one of the things about uh, that I was I was looking at what you were doing, and I was and I was thinking how malleable you've got to be, where you're working with this person, then you're working with, you're working with this person and their idiosyncrasies, and you're working with that person and their idiosyncrasies, right. and like. So any class that you go to is a professional, is a template for a professional um, experience. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it, it's parallel to it. Well, exactly. It's, a, it's funny because that's, that's the conversation I was having the other day about, okay, to a certain extent when you go into a class, you have to get the teacher's vibe and mm -hmm. you have to do what they tell you. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of being in the class. You're not in there to like, I'm here to assert myself. It's right. Like, no, go do your own class. Right. But at the same time, you have to bring something that is yours, that is personal. And it's the same way on a job. You go in there, you're not going to tell the director what you want to do. You know, no. Or the producer, whatever. It's like, no, they're paying you. Mm -hmm. So you have to catch their vibe, you know, figure out what it is they need. Sometimes they don't communicate it, just like with a, with a class. Right. So you'll get a certain amount of information, but you have to fill in a lot. And more importantly, you have to bring what you've got. Right. You know, but you've got to know what you've got. That's and you got to know what you got. And and again, going back to the work that you've done, uh, uh, knowing uh, you got to, and this is it's a weird thing to say, but I mean this in a metaphoric way, but I also mean it in a literal way. You've got to know your voice. You've got to know what you fucking bring to the thing. You know, like mm -hmm. your voice because your 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 voiceover uh, uh, talent as well as you know on on, on camera and all that other stuff. Um, but you've got to know your voice, which means you've got to have the balls to come out and go, I'm going to try this. Right. And if it doesn't work, it's not fucking personal. All right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about the voice because I, I just came from a voiceover job. It was a two-man thing with a buddy of mine. And we were voicing some radio ad where uh, he was the employee trying to sell me a, a, a barbecue and I was the customer. And... And I, they played back what we did for the audition, and you know the customer is African American man in the 30s to 50s, blah 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 blah. So I come in and I'm saying, hey man, good to see you, good to see you. All right, let's get ready to go. It's like, well, I don't even know. And I start doing a different voice, and he's looking at me because he's just doing himself. And he's like, and after he's like, man, that's amazing that you are like able to do. It's like, that's what they wanted, right? If they write down you know, specifically African-American. Right. And they hire me, and then they hire you, you know, 30-something white guy. Right. I can't sound like you. No, 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 They would have no. just hired you twice. But you can, you can sound like a 30-something white guy. Right. Right, but that's not why they're hiring But and, and there will be jobs that I will audition for for that. And, and yeah, and I'll give them, you know, something else. Right. I'll give them a different take. Right, that know? guy. But the thing is, when you go in, you know, I can't be the one who's like, well, you know what? There are a lot of, I'm an African-American and I sound like this. So that's the way I'm going to sound. But and the interesting thing that when you say that, because what, what you brought, what you just brought in that moment was your personality, okay? And I'm gonna, and this is gonna sound weird, but when I teach, I say this, your personality's not allowed in the room. I don't give a shit about your history or who the fuck you are when you're not here. Because right. I'm asking you in this moment to be that which I need you to be. And, and I'm not saying a good student. I'm saying when you get up on stage, you're playing a part. Right. And I need you to play that part. Mm. You know? So if I'm hiring you to be an African-American man, I'm not hiring you to be a man. Right. I'm hiring you to be an African-American man. The, well, and that was the conversation I was having with my friends. Like, you know, because as a white actor, I don't think there's any equivalent to that, to what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, there is. No, there don't is. You, don't you, don't you, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, because we were talking about how I was blacking it up. It's like, right. well, don't you young it up or older it up? And it's like, it's a character. Right. It's just another aspect of yourself that is a character. Right. You know, it's me if I were, you know, six inches taller. Right. It's, <laughs> it's me if... You know, my mother had never moved out of Arkansas. Right. You know, that's this is how I would be. Right. You know, it's an, it's a character that can be an aspect of yourself, but it's not just about you. It's so interesting the idea yeah. of of saying, well, you know, um, if, if it's like you're blacking it up. Like, no, I I white it up, I old it up, and I kid it up, and that's what I told him. You it's know, like, it's like you do you ever play? I mean, because uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of ethnic stereotypes that in the old days still existed that don't. You know, nobody's going to be playing this guy anymore. Thank God you know? for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, there's still other characters. You know, it's like, well, dude, you're you're a guy with a you know relatively higher voice. You probably have to play nerds 
a lot. Right. You know, where you maybe make it a little more than you actually are, you know. It's like, yeah, you're right, I do that. Same thing. Boy, how do you not see the range that you have? You know what I mean? Like, how does, not you, but how does that guy go, well, I just play this guy. It's like, no, no, and you did him a favor by going, don't you see you do this, 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 and this? Well, I think most actors don't see their own range. Or, if, or conversely, they have a distorted you know, idea of their range. I can play anything! Right. But, yeah, I think he thinks of it as just doing what I do. Right. You know? Right. And and so when you do what you when you when you do the work that you do, you're also you're you're selling yourself. You know the product that you have. And and, and it's also the idea of when you increase your range and your product. Because I was thinking looking at the, the voices that on Wikipedia, the voices this year, <coughs> I'm like, Bill Maher? Like, <laughs> Bill Maher, you do Bill Maher. I suppose you do Bill Maher, but what you are is you're constantly you're a student of the world. Right. And when you're a student of the world, you everything becomes product for you. Right. And you you try things and there are, I mean like I've always been a kid who did impressions. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh you know, when I was in 10th grade, I beat out uh seniors for the part of Bogart in Played Against Sam in mm -hmm. high school. Mm -hmm. you know, because I was the one who did the best Humphrey Bogart. Right. You know, even though I was black. That's hilarious. Uh -huh. You know, and the thing is, I mean, from, part of it is just, you know, I, I like that stuff. I have an ear for it. But there are some things that I can't do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I can do Clint Eastwood. I can't do Martin Lawrence. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. I don't know why. But you've tried and you're aware yes. of that. You're aware of, of that. Right. And I think what ends up happening, I think what, what happens, it doesn't, not what ends up happening, is um, that people don't, People don't, I think that there are a lot of artists that don't grow. Yes. You know, and, I, and particularly in the stand-up world, I think there are a lot of people that are going, ah, oh, I can't, you know, I can't. But you look at Louis C.K. or you look at what, what Seinfeld did in The Comedian. I, have you seen that? No, I never got to see it. Uh, it's really great. It's the idea of giving up your entire, uh, 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 what is it, time? Is that what you call it? A bit? Set, oh, yeah, set. yeah, the whole set. So you give yeah. up your whole set. You throw it away. You're, going, you're throwing it away and you're starting something new. Like, at that moment. Which, especially for an older, for an old school comedian, because it used to be pre-internet that you worked, you crafted. I mean, it was like taking a block of marble and making your masterpiece. Like, I've got my 45 minutes. Right. And if, you know, I do 15 minutes of it on Carson and then I'm set. Right. You know, but these days, 45 minutes is not enough. I know. Because like, hey, my entire 45 minutes is in seven, you know, bits on YouTube. Right. No, how do you heard those do, jokes. How, uh, uh, I know. Yeah. But you're, you're, it's funny. But you do stand-up stand too, right? No. God, no. It says, I thought it said that you do stand-up. No. Get that off Well, because you know how it is. People think, oh, you're funny. Right. You do comedy. Right. Come do some comedy for us. <laughs> My company has this great dinner. Dave, you should come do comedy oh, at our dinner. It's, oh, like, it's not the same No, thing. I love that when I was in Second City, they, they, would have, they would have groups come in and, and watch a Second City show. And it was, uh, they would come and watch a Second City show, a main stage show. And, and look at the cast now going, oh my God, that's just an amazing group of people. So it was like, like the cast, the, the cast and, and they would not laugh at a goddamn thing because it was satirical comedy. They right. just saw comedy and that's all that they saw. That's all that they cared about. It's like, I thought he was going to tell jokes. Right. Like right. Rodney Dangerfield. Right. And then what you realize is, and then what we would realize is, uh, uh, you would start to compartmentalize people. It's like, who do we have tonight? And it's like, okay, we got uh, the Temple Beth L sisterhood. And you're like, we're fucked. <laughs> we're fucked. We'd call it Jews Against Comedy. And they would just sit there and go, that's not funny. That's not <sighs> funny. And then you'd get Republicans who would laugh their ass off at everything because they can. You know, liberals are not, liberals don't, <laughs> liberals can't laugh at themselves. It's like, oh, that's rude, or that's racist, or whatever it is. It's like, right. Republicans don't fucking care. There's no, there's no sensitivity in work. No, there. no, and when you live in that world, it's like, what a great world to live in. It's great. So did you ever try stand-up? Have you tried that? Twice. When I, when I first came back home to L.A., I lived around the corner from the Laugh Factory. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, well, I want to perform, I want to, you know. Uh, and I would go sign up, but I would always be late, so I'd get like the 2 a.m. slot, and then I would never do it. And then, um, many years later, uh, my mother was living in South Africa, and this was during the time that Mad TV was on. And she you know, told people, you know, I guess they had heard, they, they, maybe the show aired there or something, and 
there was some fellow she knew. It's like, oh, your son's come. Great, great, great. And I get there. It's like, yeah, I've got a gig for you. Oh, God. What do you, what do you mean? It's like, well, you do comedy, yes? Oh. And so he had a stand-up comp. So my very first attempt at stand-up comedy was 15 minutes <gasps> at a club in Johannesburg, South Africa. <laughs> so in 1995. Awesome. Like, so we're, we're three oh, years after uh, the end of apartheid. apartheid. <laughs> like, oh. So I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done stand-up before in my life. I'm sitting here, my stomach is churning, mm -hmm. like you wouldn't believe. And I'm sitting here, it's like, okay, well, I don't know any of the local re you know, references. Right. You know, right. I don't know what they think is funny. <laughs> it's an entirely different country. At least we speak the same language. Right. I don't understand most of the words. And, like, and also, they've seen black people. Yes. Well, half of them, half of the, I'm actually, right. was that crowd? Yeah, no, the crowd was actually a nice mix. Uh -huh. You know, black South Africans and white South Africans. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was so dangerous, it was so weird. Basically, I just did 15 minutes of stupid Americans. Like, well, Americans think that Africa's, you've got lions running across. I mean, it, it was hack. Right. But this was survival. Right. You know, I wasn't, right. I wasn't trying to like, well, let me, let me parse the uh, concepts. <laughs> I'm just trying to right. not embarrass myself. So you did that though, and you walked, <laughs> and you got laughs. I got a couple, yes. 15 minutes is a long fucking time oh, if you don't have any material. Oh my God, you have no idea. And also, I, I, don't, have that, I don't have that skill set. I mean, I know I have buddies who are stand-ups who can like, be sitting there backstage, watch the audience and go, and then remake their set list in their heads. Like, right. oh shit, somebody just opened with that joke. All right, right. open with something else. Right, right, right. But it's those people that I look at and I go, okay, those are the people that I look at and I go, uh, I think they are malleable. Going back again to the idea of looking at something and not looking at it in a way where you're feeling that you, where you'd live in lack. You know, the idea of lack. Oh, I, go, I don't have it. I ain't got it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I right, going to do? Right. But you don't get a career like what you have, and I don't get what it is that I do if I live in a world where I'm, where I'm saying, oh, I can't do that, or I can't do that, or I can't do that. Absolutely not. No, there's no way. You, you have to... I mean, and, and with that... that you know, living in fullness comes confidence. Right. And confidence is everything. Oh my God. And, and right, confidence is everything. Because what you're talking about, that living in lack, is fear. Clearly. It's I can't, I can't, I can't. And that radiates out and yeah, I mean that's, that leads you to what feels like disaster. Right. You it's know? interesting <laughs> for you to say what feels like disaster and I, and I hear, because I hear people go, it was horrifying. And I'm like, what was horrifying? The line at Trader Joe's was horrifying. Going, no, horrifying is seeing your children eaten by dingoes. That's, that's fucking horrifying. horrifying. Right. You know, looking at that, that's horrifying. But horrifying, <laughs> let's really be, let's know what our words mean. Oh, yeah. And when, and when you look at that, because I think certainly people go out here where you go, I will never work again. It's like, if you say so, if you say so. Oh, my God, yes. I had that conversation with somebody before. It's like, we're on a plane somewhere, and he's like, yeah, man, the, you know, the uncertainty in our business, I mean, it could end at any time. I'm like, sort of, but not really. Because I mean, being an actor is the only business that you can simply declare yourself one, and you are. Right. But the truth of the matter right. is, there is, there is no king of Hollywood who can look at your one bad performance and go, you are banished. Nevermore will you perform on my life. Nope. You can, the only way that it can all end is if you end it. Is if you said, I can't do this. Or if you die. Because even if you say... I don't know. I've well, seen some Tupac stuff. <laughs> right. For the right, last right. six years. <laughs> right. And the hologram. Right. Even then. Right. You're right. You're right. But it goes back to this. You may think you're done, but other people don't think you're done. And what I mean by that is the idea of um, um, if someone says, well, Phil Lamar quit. It's like, mm, I'm not going to talk to him. You know what I mean? Right. And it's right. not like, I'm going to talk to him because the universe needs him. It's like, I'm going to talk to him because I think I've got something for him. Right. And if you shut yourself out, then you're done. But Absolutely. It's all about perspective. I remember uh, when I was coming up through the Groundlings, I was in the Sunday company. And it was a lot of 20-somethings who had, you know... How you old know, were you? I was... You were 20-something 20, 20 too? Yeah, it was okay. 92. So uh -huh. yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, it was early, mid-20s. And we were all young and all hungry and all, you know, desperate. And the thing that saved me, that got me through the Groundlings, was I met Wendy Cutler, who uh -huh. worked with Off the Wall. Uh -huh. And she invited me to come play with them. 
So, like, you know, on Sundays and stuff, I'd be playing with these 20-somethings. And then, you know, the people at Off the Wall, this is in the this is early 90s. They've been doing it since the 70s. Right. And is that Bernadette Bricat? Yes. Yeah. Bernadette was and there. And Tom Tully. And Tom Tully and Paul Wilson. Right. You know, oh, oh and, fucking and Archie Paul Wilson. Hahn. Right, right. You look at all those people and you go, all right, are you done? Are they done? No. Are they fucking done? They're not done. They had such a centeredness to their performance. Right. You know, Sometimes they were brilliant, sometimes they weren't. Right. Some shows were fantastic, some... Right. But the thing that I got from them was that center. It's like, oh my God, these people have been through it. They've been doing it long enough where they know there is no one show right. that is going to make it so I never have to work again. And there is, in either way, you know, and there's no one show that is so bad that I will never be able to work again. You've got to let that shit go. And I think Absolutely. that that's the hard thing is where, you, where a stand-up will walk off stage or an improviser will walk off stage and go, that was horrible, that was horrifying, that was horrifying. You know what it was? It was what the fuck it was. That's what it was. Right. And whatever you attach it to is what you attach it to. And I, I think about all the shows that I've done for so long. I have not had a bad show. I have not had a bad improv show in 25 years. Right. Other people may think otherwise. <laughs> right. I know for me, I look and then I go, I haven't had a bad show because I don't look at myself in that way. Right. And that's a choice that I've made. Mm -hmm. To engage in that um, hitting myself about how bad that was and go, nobody fucking cares. It's done. It's done. Do you ever get nervous? Never. Isn't that funny? Never. Isn't that amazing? Do you remember when you did? Absolutely. And I remember the moment that I went, oh. Yeah. It's just what I engage in. Yeah. What do I get nervous about? And what do you get nervous about? Well, it's funny because the reason I thought about that is this weekend I did something I'd never done before. I get nervous these days. <clears throat> Wait, can I clarify what nervous means? What does nervous mean? Nervous to me uh, means I've got an excess of energy or feeling that I'm not in control of. That you aren't aware of? Do you understand what I mean? Because you're always in control of it. Uh, you, well, okay, yes. That I, I don't feel like I'm, like the, for instance, this weekend I had to host an award show, mm -hmm. which I'd never done before. Mm -hmm. And so I had like, okay, uh, I didn't feel settled. Uh -huh. I didn't feel, you know, like I had material, I had, knew what I was gonna say, I knew how I was gonna say it, but I'm like, no, but maybe I gotta change it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the vast, I'm trying to think of, any other time I've performed in the last 20 years, I haven't had that feeling. Like, do we know what we're doing? What are we doing? You know, or sometimes even too relaxed. It's like, oh yeah, and then we're gonna do, oh wait, what's that? I don't even know that game, what is it? Right. Well, but that's we'll, figure, we'll figure it out. Right. We'll figure it out. You know? And the reason I'm saying that, the, the, like the idea of to, because again, going back to stand-ups or going back to improvisers, going back to actors, you know, whatever production you've done, you're in charge of that feeling. Right. And you know what it feels like to not be in control. And you know what it feels like to be in control. And you are aware of both those things. Right. So you're aware, like, like the moment, for me, nine times out of ten, I will be going somewhere. I won't know where I'm, like someone will hire me to do something. Right. I won't know where I'm going. Right. And I'm talking about cross country, across the world. I won't know where I'm going. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know the audience that I'm going to have. I don't know the students that I'm going to have. I don't know where I'm living. I don't know, uh, I don't know the currency. Right. And I go, and I don't think of any of that. Yeah. Because it's, it's not important. Like, well, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere. Right, exactly. So I'll know when I get there. And when it's over, I'm going to be able to go, oh, that happened. And then we're done, and it's like, where am I going to drink? Right. I wanna, where's my vodka right now? Where's my, where's my vodka? We did that. That happened. Okay, great. And if you want to talk about it, we talk about it. And yeah. if you don't, we don't. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a certain level of confidence that I think comes from repetition and also what we were talking about before, knowing yourself. Right. You know? That confidence, because it is that confidence. And, and, you could, and if you want to say to somebody, okay, what you've got to be is more confident. Like, what a fucked up thing to say to somebody. <laughs> you've got to be more confident. It's like, all right, what, what you've got to be is richer. Exactly. Be richer. You've got to be more amber, or we need more paisley. It's like it's like bad voiceover direction. It's like we need a, we need for you to be a little more autumnal. <laughs> it's like what the fuck are you talking about? We need for you to be more autumnal. Oh, um, but uh, to look to look at all those things and and to say okay, uh, to have the confidence to go, I'm going to give whatever. I'm going to try whatever it is that you want me to do. Right. Right. I'm going to try whatever it is that you want me to do. Um, but I, I have not are you been. Doing, I, are you doing a lot of voiceover? No, I don't. I had a voiceover really? agent uh, over. I had a voiceover agent, um, which was an initials. They were initials over yeah, on the west course. side, and um, 
I got into a little run-in with the guy that ran the place. Oh, that's ridiculous. And then I never, I was, and that was the right. Boom, right. and that was Persona it. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? But I travel so much that I'm like, oh, I guess I'll do that. Oh, I'll come around to do that yeah. and I'll do that. But I, I really, I just enjoy it. I really, really and enjoy you got it. The, 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 I'm stentorian. Yes. I'm, I'm self-proclaimed stentorian. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Um, but I really love it. I, I love, I love doing that work, and I love the confidence that comes with it, and 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 the idea that, again, going back to the. Um, Oh, the idea of being more confident. Um, like, how do you how do you do that? Because I think that what you've got to do is remove that concept of I need to be more confident, and just remind yourself that I need to enjoy what the fuck I'm doing right yeah. now, and then th then we walk away from that. Right, right, in the moment, which is right. know, the core of everything. And you will continue to work. I think if you choose to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you choose to. Um, I mean, do you find that most of the people you know who are no longer with us, and I don't mean like Dead. alive, no, but I mean not who've dropped out right. of showbiz or right. performance or whatever. I find most of them, it does, the, it's not about talent. It's about their ability to, it's more about temperament than it is about talent. I think it's about interest. I think <laughs> that they just don't find it interesting. Because I remember the moment that I said, the moment, um, that I thought to myself, and, and it usually comes from this, ah, I'm just so angry at me moment where you go, fuck, I didn't get that part of Banker 9. <laughs> or I didn't get, like, I fucking didn't get that part where, and it's like, why am I such an asshole? I didn't get Bellboy 6. Like, how many different ways can I say, Here your, here's your bags, Mr. Reynolds. You know, here's your bags, Mr. Reynolds. Here's your bags, Mr. Reynolds. Here are your bags, Mr. Reynolds. Like, how the fuck did I not get that part? I must be so bad. And I went, no, no. They don't know who I am. Right. And all that I can do is continue to be who I am, and either they're going to see me or they're not going to see me. Right. I had an agent right around the corner from here. She was right over here. Um, who said, you know what? I got to let you go because um, nobody, I can't get anybody to open up an envelope with your picture in it. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> that says right. more about you than about me. It clearly does. It says, it's got your agency on the envelope. Right, that have me on the envelope. But, it, but it, there's, also, there's also the idea of, have you seen what I do? Do you know what I do? When was the last time you came to see my show? Have you seen my show? Because right. if you don't know what I do, then, then I can't help to. you. Right. You know, I just can't That's help fascinating. you. That's um, fascinating. And I don't, <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. But, uh, but, but, you know, I, I work doing what it is that I'm doing. Right. So people say, yeah, you should be more famous. I'm like, no, why? I just hung out with um, somebody. I was thinking, do I mention his name or not? <laughs> um, uh, uh, afraid, afraid we're going viral. No, well, well, the thing is, like, I don't, you know, when I'm when I'm with someone that's very famous, I go, uh, how how much of that do I talk about? So I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say, I was with somebody that was on Saturday Night Live for a long time, right. and we were stuck at the airport uh, at O'Hare two days ago. Okay. And um, and we're just sitting and talking, and he and I have done I/O together for a long time, and he he was on SNL for a really long time. Um, and it was really hard for him to not be abducted by people coming up to him. Oh, right, right, right. And he kept saying, like, he kept saying, I am as famous as I want to be. I am, and I was thinking, I think you're more famous than you want to be <laughs> because you can't not go anywhere right. without people jumping the fuck on you. Well, but some people, some people thrive with that. I remember on Mad TV, there one of the, my fellow cast members uh, said when they were feeling down, they would go to the gap at the Beverly Center to be recognized. Mm -hmm. Yep. I just need a little boost. Yep. I'm going yep. to go stand in the sweaters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I get it. And yes, I also want to go, whoa, hey, that's something. That's something. That's, and, you that's, know, that's if a, I thera do that's a that, therapy thing. Yeah, if I want to do that, I might, just, I might just look at my reel or go through my resume and go, okay, that's fine. I've, done, I've worked before. I've done work. But this guy could not, he fucking couldn't sit and just be without people walking up to him. That's interesting. Uh, and what's interesting was he, ta he talked about Colbert. And he said what, what the interesting thing about Col what Colbert did was... He's not playing a, he's playing a character. Right. But his character is his name. Yes. So he's given up 
his name. Yeah, which is weird. Which is really weird, because it's not like, hey, do that Carlos Marquez character, or whatever right. the fuck it is, and it's like, I'm a rat. But it's like, you're Steve Colbert. You're Steve Colbert. You're Steve right. Colbert. It's like, he can't get away from that. Although, I would, I would bet you that Stephen Colbert, even though he's using his own name, gets recognized less because he's got this persona, this way of being, these, all, I bet all he has to do is change those glasses. And people just like, <laughs> he looks just like that dude on TV. <laughs> right, right, right. But he ain't right. funny. Oh, and then they just let him go by. Right, right. I've never seen I Colbert without his glasses. No, I have seen him without his glasses. Cause you know, we, we worked together at Second City. Right, right, right. And it was Actually, really I funny. I have a picture in my phone of you guys. Oh, from the oh, wall. Uh, um, but at Second City, cause I'm going, oh, his glasses, it's funny you should say that. Cause we used to do this scene. And it was a scene where uh, it was Colbert and Scott Allman and, and the cast, and the conceit was um, uh, Scott Allman was the uh, a scientist who was like a, who had all these kids who had special um, abilities to like change time and go backwards okay. and all that and like become invisible. <laughs> and he was, but he was really nice about it. It wasn't like he was using it for evil. Right. And he was retiring, and for some reason, he was giving it to Colbert's character, who was like, "Thank you very much, Doctor." And then. And Steve went, uh, you know, then Allman would leave and Steve's like, okay, good. Invisible guy. We're going to go to the bank. You're right. And you, we're going to do that. And what you're going to do is you're going to transform into a, a, you know, a, 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 a gun or whatever the fuck right, it's right, going right, to be. Right, 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 right. And suddenly in the scene, and there was one person that could make things go backwards. And I think it was Ian Gomez's character <laughs> to make shit go backwards. And, and so, <laughs> whatever. So, um, uh, I mean, there's a point to this story. So, uh, so he does all that and then somebody... One of the kids goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. You and you shouldn't be doing that. And we, and the guy who can make things go backwards made the entire scene that oh, we did forwards, shit. we did it backwards. So the entire scene was a three minute scene going forwards up to this point, and then we got it down to 45 seconds of doing backwards. it backwards, okay? <laughs> and there was, so this one day that I'm there, I remember uh, like walking up to Colbert and pointing at him and going, okay, I'm pointing at him right now. I'd never pointed at him before, I have to remember that I pointed at him, oh, so that when Jesus. we go backwards, I could point at him again. Right. So uh, we do the scene, I, I go, I'm pointing at him, he doesn't know that I did that, he walks into my finger <laughs> on his eye, and I got some of his eye underneath my fingernail. Oh, God! And I got eye. I got Colbert eye under my fingernail, and I'm going. And the, the, through the rest of the scene, he's walking around with a hand over his eye, oh. like going backwards. And it was a really choreographed thing. And I was like, wow, I, I, I ripped a little of his eye off oh. in my fing, under my fingernail. That's Cam, horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. Fuck the dingoes and the yes, children. No. Yes. Um, Losing part of your eye in the middle of a scene. <laughs> exactly. Lightly exactly. horrifying, but now, horrifying. Here's another thing that, that happened was the next day he comes in and Colbert's a very handsome guy. Right. So he comes in and I was thinking, you know, he said, I, I called him up later and I said, um, how's it going? He said, I went to the hospital and they gave me an eye patch and I'm going, okay, he's going to come in looking like a pirate or right. the, the Hathaway shirt guy, right? Is that, you know what I mean? And, he, <laughs> and it was like a black patch over his eye. Mm -hmm. So he comes in, he's like, I don't, yeah, maybe. And he comes in and he's got a flesh colored eye patch on so it looks like someone's grandmother you know what I mean it's not like he's a pirate it's like flesh colored you fucker and I did it I think he did it just to get me pissed off because like I felt so bad oh, I felt so bad but I you know so I and Colbert so you mentioned that that's where that came from. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who like uh, um, like the idea of the work all the work that you've done a lot of it most of it has been off Aside from your Mad TV and some of the movie right. stuff that you've done, most of it has been off the, the VO uh, stuff. Yeah, the VO stuff. Yeah, yeah. Since two thousand, so what is that? That's twelve years. And in, yeah, the bulk of my work has been VO, you know, with the occasional guest spot here and there. But let's see. Prior to that, I would say from ninety, I really started working in like ninety two. So we've got eight years that way. You know, on cam, most almost completely on camera. Right. And then twelve years, predominantly voiceover. Right. How do you yeah. feel about that? Um, Aside from, I'm really happy to be working. No, uh, actually, it's interesting because it coincides with you know when I had kids, and you know the right. voiceover lifestyle is so much more humane. Yeah. I remember right after my the a year or so after my son was born, 
I got a you know, job, you know, bit part in Spider-Man 2. And I was mm. like, so excited, I'm in a movie. And my first time in a big movie. And we were hired for two days, turned into two weeks, because it's like the millions and millions of dollars on that budget, they don't give a shit. It's like, mm. yeah, we were, we'll throw you a couple extra grand. Um, and it was, it sucked. Because like, there was a 48 hour period where I did not see my wife and child awake. Because I would leave at six in the morning, right. get back at ten at night, and like, okay, kiss, kiss them in their sleep, and then be gone. And I'm like, why is this? Why is feature film the high watermark? Why is this what we're all striving for? You know, and and that it was, it was so much it was so much harder, and there was such a, a huge cost to it. You know, from that that family perspective that I'd never really realized before. I think, again, it goes back to be careful what you ask for, know what you're asking for, right. and the idea of what you're fighting for. Because I think that a lot of people go, oh, all these movies must be so glamorous. It's like, and, and I know we hear about it all the time. It's like, yeah, sit around, you know, hurry up and wait, or whatever the fuck it is. But right, you know right, what? Right. To, for me, I know, what do I get out of the work that I do? What do I get? I get the fact that um, intellectually, I'm stimulated, intellectually. Um, I'm always meeting different people. Right. Um, all that sort of stuff. So the struggle that I think the majority of actors go through, it's like, do you know what you're struggling for? Do you really know what it is that you're struggling for? Right. And, I, and you don't think about not seeing your family anymore, the sacrifice right. that you make. Or also, again, going back to, um, uh, I've got a friend who uh, adopted a child, and she's really famous, and she can't take, she can't go out with this kid Ugh. for fear of having somebody take a picture of this See, child. That, and to go, that's... That's fucked up. Yeah. And you may be making as much money as somebody else who's on, you know, uh, who's who's uh, on an episodic or whatever it's going to be. But you've got your life. No, I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm not saying fortunate. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying that one in a situation mm -hmm. like that. Right. No, no, no. The, the thing is, no, and that's the thing. Voiceover, you don't make the money. You know, you're not like I'm shit for life. And the thing is, you you know, you get on a a sitcom that runs right. for several years. That's like that's like winning a lottery. Right. You know, it's like, wow, if I... And that's what it is. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. Like, right. The wheel came around, got your name. And, and at you that know? moment, you go, oh, I got it this time. You know, I didn't right. get it this time. Uh, and when I was, you know, when I get a commercial, I'm like, I won the lottery. Every once in a while, it's going to pay off. Yeah. Every once in a while, that's going to happen. Uh, but that, that, what you were talking about, about that, the cost of fame, especially these days, because it is so just frenzied and, you know, cannibalistic. I mean, to be somebody at that level of fame, I, like, how much money is worth that, is worth not being able to take your kid to the park when your kid wants to go to the park. Right. You know, that's, right. a, that's a weird thing to try to, to, to find the value in. Right, you know? right, uh, I right. Know. I mean, but on, the, but on the other end, it's like, well, whatever college my kid wants to go to, they will be able to go to. Right. I know, I know that 20 years ahead of time, but I don't know. Oh, the, that, yeah, that. I get, yeah, but I'm not a, I'm not a parent, so I don't, right. I don't look at that and go. Well, but there's, I mean, I think for anybody, there's that whole, like, stability, steady, like, yes. can you imagine being set for life? Right. To know from where you stand right now, you can look as far down the horizon as you want and know they're like, my rent's paid. Right. My mom's house is, is good. Right. You know, whatever, whatever your Or eventual... when, when I do get sick, I will be covered. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, that's worth something. That that ability to be able to say that. But what is it worth? You know, is it worth your face being being stopped everywhere you go? People like clutching at you. People feeling like they oh my god part of you. I well, the, the interesting thing that <laughs> happened was we're at so we're at O'Hare, right. and this woman behind the counter, and 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 he was just gone. I can't take it. I just can't take it. I can't take it. And this woman in Starbucks, a woman at Starbucks, was was gone. Look who's here! Look, I know you! I know you! And he's like, God damn it! And it's like, I know you! And he turns around and goes, I know you know me! And she said this, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to you! And she was talking to me. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know me? How do you know me? You know me. Oh, you know me. It's like, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's a scene. It's that's a scene. Hilarious. Oh, clearly, that's a scene. And, and the idea is like, I've, you know, this guy's been in so many movies and stuff like that. And I go, okay, I've been, like, people know me from Mo Money or something like that. I <laughs> think I'm somebody else. Like, you know me from a movie that was 45 years ago. You might as well go, ah, you were in Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I saw you. But, but the idea of not being able to go out or, or have your friends come over or whatever that's going to right. be. What 
a weird fucking thing that is. Oh, dude, my uh, yesterday I ran into a guy who did voiceover, Tom Kenny. Yeah, I know Tom. Yeah, I know Tom Kenny. I know because I know Jill Talley. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course, all that, all that connection there. And he's Sponge, SpongeBob. Yeah. For the last two days, someone on Twitter has been saying that Tom's dead. Like some asshole who's got who started a Twitter account. I think sometime in the last three days because it was a 9/11 Remember Twitter account, and it looks sincere because they keep putting up all these things like let's all remember, let's get. 2,637 tweets for the 2,637 people who died in those... T- but I, th- I think it's some asshole doing it on purpose. Yeah. Because one of, the, one of the first tweets they put was like, the man who brought us SpongeBob died of cancer today. R.I.P. Tom Kenny. Don't cite any link or any information. No. I, th- I think it's some schmuck who's just like, Fucking with people. It's like, let's play on people's heartstrings. I, I, I was online the other day and someone went, Pete Seeger died. I'm like, Pete Seeger died? Fucking Pete Seeger? Because, you know, I'm, right. I'm a folky from way back on. Right. Wow, Pete Seeger died. First thing I do is go look to see if Pete Seeger died. Right. Like, Pete Seeger didn't die. Stop saying he fucking died. Someone he just did said not it. die. And Tom Kenny, you go, Tom Kenny died. Like, oh my God, Tom Kenny. Oh my God, I wonder how Jill is. And it's like, you fucking douchebag. Right. And apparently Tom said this is the second time this has happened. Wow. Like sometime last year, like he was a trending topic on Twitter because someone said he had died. <laughs> what? A, it could be Tom. <laughs> it could be himself. You know, it could be. I wouldn't put it past him. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> no, well, he said, I love it. I think it's great. Right. You know. <laughs> right. But Trend he, yourself because like, ah, he died. I died. And the thing is, he's one of the, there's, I think there, there is an art to that. So whoever this person is, I have to give them a little bit of credit because picking someone like Tom Kenny, he's not someone that people see all the time. It's not like, you can't say, John Hamm died. Right. Like people say, no. Right. He was just on extra. Right, 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 right. That's interesting. But you don't see Tom, but everybody has this deep heartfelt attachment to SpongeBob. Uh So it's something that, like the, the, the emotional thing makes you go, oh God, not SpongeBob. So they don't look it up. Right. You know? Right. And they just go, connected. oh my God, they just retweet it. Because this is really sad, you guys. Right. Same thing with Pete Seeger, where you go, you don't see, who sees Pete Seeger anymore? Right. And it's like, Pete Seeger died. Oh, he's really connected to my heartstrings. Because he, yeah, you he know? was pretty old, wasn't he? Yeah, he's about right. age. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't believe that. Oh, <laughs> oh fuckers, man. Fuckers. <laughs> like, but you know what the thing is? It, uh, this is it. And it goes back to the ego thing. I don't know if we were talking about it or was just thinking about it. It goes back to the ego thing. This person who does that needs to be charged. Yes. They need not yes. charged like 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 arrested. No, they no, need to have that charge of going yeah. out. It's the same thing as your friend going out to to the right. gap and be recognized in the sweater department. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tweeting something. Uh, I, I, you know, I I kind of, I don't know that I'm guilty of it, but I certainly post stuff especially nowadays with the uh with this, uh, there's an election. I don't know if you know about it. But there's an election going on, <laughs> and I'm a very a fucking bit. opinionated person. It's, uh, and it's, so it's Clint Eastwood versus Martin Lawrence, right? <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. I, well, if he can't, uh, Phil Lamar can't do it. It's not worth it. But it was <laughs> where I go. Uh, for me, it's that. Well, I, I I put that down, and nobody responded right? to it. You know, it's like why? What do I gotta do? Um, and, well, but see, that's that's a performer thing. When you're on stage, you want a response, right? And sometimes you will do something to get a response. Right. You know, sometimes but, you won't. But I mean, Twitter is, an, Twitter is a very small stage. I'm a Facebook guy, so I don't do the Twitter thing. I'm a Facebook guy. But, and I just re- repost things. You know, right. look at it with an opinion. But like if you see, do people like it? Do people like it? Right. Well, what's weird is um, the one, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my dad just had his 80th birthday. And I took this really great picture of my dad and me in Chicago. I was in Chicago last week. I took this great picture of my dad and me. And uh, uh, and then I posted it because it's such a great picture and it's got like 150 hits and people really like it. 150 yeah. likes and it's like <laughs> uh, uh, my dad also at 65 years old. My dad decided he's 80 right now. At 65, my dad decided he wanted to be an actor. He didn't want to be an electrician anymore. And I'm really? like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? All those years of you saying to me, don't you think you're chasing rainbows? And now you want to be a fucking actor? It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Fine, fine. I will give you my connection to Harris Davidson in Chicago, where he is. Dude, Harris Davidson in Chicago, and he like goes, okay, great. And uh, first job out, I 
gotta show you a picture. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take this thing off because I gotta show you. He he goes on his first thing. Oh Hold on. God. Wait. And I, I just found this, so I just wanted to do this. First thing out uh, was a print ad. So the first thing out is a print ad. So he's, he work, he's working. He's working print. He books it. <laughs> and it's a Borders books books. <laughs> You know, that's, that's my dad. Great. It's like, are you? That's that's my dad, right? That's my dad. Did you and get ten percent? He hasn't stopped working. The fucker does not. He has not stopped working. He hasn't stopped working. Wow. So well, you know, when I post things, people go, "I think I saw him in a commercial." He's in a steak and shake commercial now. He's in a steak and shake commercial. And here's the thing about him, and I think that 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 it goes back to the idea of confidence and it yep. goes back to the idea of I'm working because my dad's got this IBEW National Brotherhood of Electric Workers local at 134. Uh, he's got a pension. He doesn't right. do it for the he money. He doesn't need it. So he's in a steak and shake commercial. He did a public service announcement two years ago. They flew him from Chicago's first SAG job. Two years <laughs> ago. Flew him from Chicago, first class, to nice. LA. Put him up in a Beverly Hills hotel. He's here, supposed to be here for two days that for some reason it runs over, four days. He made... $30,000 on a PSA. Who the oh fuck makes $30,000 on a PSA? That's hilarious. So for him, he says, and it's the same thing. He goes, I don't need it. You know, right. I don't need the money. So he walks into an audition and he's fine. Because I think that what ends up happening is if you say, I need this job because right. you're missing out on the present of it, the presentness of it. And it's mm -hmm. like improvisation, where right. if you think you know that where the end of the scene is, you're not paying attention to what you really need to do, which is what pay attention to the moment that you're in right now. Interesting. Okay, here, here's my theory about the factor of desperation. Um, <clears throat> show business, in general, is an industry where there are millions of dollars, billions of dollars spent on complete intangibles. Right. Nobody knows what talent is, right. what makes someone watchable, what makes a movie a hit or a TV show or a play. No one knows. It's like, well, I read something and it looks good. People are just betting. Mm -hmm. So everything is loose. Everything is, nobody, everybody's in a state of fear, mostly, on every level. The people who are spending the money, the people who are hired by the people who spend the money to find people, to, you know, people this thing. Everybody, right. nobody knows. Right. So anything you have that seems like solidity, confidence. Right. You know, even if that is a negative, somebody who comes in and just like, he doesn't even want this fucking job. Right. He, he hates us. Ugh. Wow, I'd never have the <laughs> confidence to let him know that he let somebody know that I hated them. Right. Let's hire him. Right. Well, you hear stories all the time about that sort of stuff, right? Oh yeah. Well, and also, I mean, and if you go the other way, if you if you show the need, all it does is reflect back their own insecurity. Right. I remember right. when my when my kid was in preschool, there was a kid who his parents were going through divorce. He the kid was sad, and the other children turned on him. It's like, why were you guys being so mean to Keenan? And the answer was, because he's sad. And I think it's the same thing in, in a casting office. If you come in there, your sadness makes me feel bad. And I hate you. Stop that. reminding me that I'm alive. Stop Just reminding me that stop I'm reminding fearful. Me. Right. Stop reminding me that I don't know what I'm doing. Or, or keep reminding me that, I'm, that things are going well. You know what I mean? Like that, I think that that's right. what it is. Um, uh, uh, Carrie Clifford, who I improvise with, yes. her, her She's just so great. Carrie's husband, uh, Paul Basie, is, uh, went to school with Vince Vaughn. You with me on all that thing? Got it. So went mm -hmm. to school with Vince Vaughn. Mm -hmm. Vince Vaughn, fucking, this guy exudes confidence. Yes. I mean, you, he walks into a room and you go, wow, uh, 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 <laughs> you know? And that fucker was like, we were, uh, so, so Carrie was, uh, Vince was looking to, to, uh, to do, uh, work a show around Carrie as like a, a Carol Burnett type. Oh, and it was like, it would have been great. Um, and, uh, and so he's, we would bring in scenes, because Carrie you know, said, I'm going to bring David in. So we'd bring in scenes, and then he goes, okay, let's improvise a little bit. I'm like, great, I'll improvise a little bit. <laughs> and um, he was giving me notes on improv. <laughs> and I'm going, um, okay, uh, great. Okay, no, you're right. I, uh, listening, improv is about listening. <laughs> yeah, you're right about, yeah, I never really thought about it, and but, yeah, I got to take what you gave me and heighten it, heighten it. 
<laughs> but uh, it was just so funny to kind of walk away going, okay, well, I, I guess every once in a while you got to be schooled. But one of the things that he, that he said was, he said when somebody walks into an audition, right. he said, I don't give a fuck how nice of a person you are. Right. I'm not auditioning you to come over to my house for a barbecue. Right. That's what he said. And I was like, that's a fucking great line. He said, do your job, know your lines, hit your mark, and get the fuck out. Right. And I thought, that is awesome news. Yeah. Because it's not come in here and, and make and nice I brought you muffins. Right, exactly. Don't fucking ingratiate yourself. It's like, hey, me. you got the job as craft service. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? Right? I look like going, I can't, I can't. I, Because he's right. Yeah. And I don't, don't shake my hand or maybe shake my hand, but don't think I'm going to sit around and talk. And I don't want to talk about what I've done in the past. Let's just be the fuck here right. now. Nine times out of ten, I don't even recognize people, you know. I know, that you've read before before. Right, like, I don't recognize it. It's like, no, I don't. I don't recognize people. Um, I don't even recognize people that I should recognize because I just feel like everybody's everybody. I did... Um, I did audience. Well, I did more Money, all right? right and right, so right. Marlon, they had, a, they, had a, they had a party and Marlon Wayans was in it, you know, and so they had an after party, a rap party right. in Chicago at a place called Cairo, I think was the name of the club on, on uh, Well Street. And... Uh, I did a scene with Marlon and Damon, and I'm talking to Marlon, we're chatting, and this guy comes up, and he's uh, got kind of like horn room glasses on, an overcoat, and he's, you know, a short guy. And, uh, so you know he's not a Wayans. <laughs> right, exactly. And his name is Bobby. I'm like, okay, great, Bobby. And I go, hey, walk away. And it's like, we chat, we talk, and the guy's like, all right, I'll talk to you later, talk about what like, And uh, <laughs> this is such a typical Dave Rosowski thing. And, and, uh, and he walks away, and Marlon goes, Man, fucking De Niro's so much nicer in person than you'd think he was. <laughs> I just met Bob, Robert De Niro, and I didn't know it was fucking Robert De Niro. Because you go, people are people. Right. And I think that what has to be remembered is when you're working, you're professional, and you just got to be here. And again, it goes back to the idea of your, your history doesn't fucking matter to me. Right. Your reputation matters to me only in terms of um, a professional expectation that I have, right. a, a consistency that you have. That's all that fucking matters. But yeah, we can't put your old performance in this context. No. Can't do it. No. Although digitally, I think in a couple of years they may be able to. Yes, and I think I look forward to that. <laughs> the Dave Rosowski hologram. Right. It's like my hologram works a lot more than I do. My hologram works. <laughs> fuck, my hologram is just working like crazy. That's um, Actually, that's, that's funny. There was a, there's a comic book I used to love uh, in the 80s called American Flag. And the, the premise is there's this guy, Ruben Flagg, who was an actor, but he was replaced by, through Trumpography uh, th with his digital version. It's like, well, actually, you know what? We've got enough footage of you that we can basically digitally make you do whatever we need to do. So thanks for your, thanks for your time. Now, now go join the army. And that's what he did? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, his character. Joined. But his, but like yeah. his, he's off like having to be a cop somewhere. But his show, new episodes of his show are still running. And and but it also goes back to what you're saying about having enough money to be able to not do anything. Right. I don't know that I would like that. I don't think I'd fucking well, like no, that. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. Not doing anything. It's not having to do anything. Right. That's right. the difference. And and again, it's it's where it's where your dad is. Right. Your dad doesn't have to do it. No. So he ends up doing shitloads. Right. Exactly. Because he walks in and people are like, oh, oh, hi, what's going on? It's Jerry Wazowski. Jerry Wazowski. It's like, that's fucking amazing. works. He, he works all, and he, uh, he. Now, did he ch choose to become an actor after seeing you do it for so many years? He, like, did yeah. Did you pave oh, yeah, the way yeah. for your father? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and my dad wouldn't fucking come to see, you know, my, my parents were very supportive. I, I, I don't mean to say that. My parents were very supportive. But the moment that I got into Second City, it's like, okay, great. Yeah, now, now it's legitimate. It it's like, now, now it's we can real. go see. It's like, now you can get me tickets for the rest of the guys down at the Union. <laughs> it's like, okay, fine, fine. But, uh, you know, I look and I go, uh, you know, what, whatever makes him happy. Whatever makes him happy. Uh, when he was first starting out, he was bad. He was so fucking bad. He was a hand actor. Somebody, <laughs> he, was, he was in Chekhov, right? Exactly. He was a hand actor. the air. Exactly. He's a hand actor. And we went to see uh, a Chekhov show that he was in. Chekhov. My dad doing Chekhov. Jesus. And it was like, uh, he was a stable hand or something. A stable, whatever. Right. In uh, The Seagull, maybe? I don't know. I can't remember. So his whole thing, it was like, he was doing this and I'm moving my hands a lot. He's like, right. you, you come over here and you tell me what it is that you need to do. And going, don't put your hands away, Dad. Put your hands away. It's like, that. then we're going from here to here. It's like, right. stop fucking indicating. You're indicating. And I wanted to, but well, I got mad at the director. 
Right, for letting him do that. For letting him do that. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't about me. Jesus. <sighs> um, I'm going to stop it there. Okay. Yeah? What a blast. Yes, man. It was really, really fun. It was really so fun. It was, I've been looking forward to chatting with you for a really long time since we uh, met at the yeah, I didn't Trader Joe's. Yeah, I thought you were over in our neck of the woods. You were just over there visiting, right? Over, the, uh, over by, uh, oh, you're over there. You're Silver in Silver Lake. Lake. No, I just go there for therapy. Uh, my therapist is over there. So I go there, on, uh, I go there for therapy. Uh, every, oh, I love my fucking therapist. Man or woman? Oh, man. And uh, I've been, I've been, uh, I got like my, my ex-wife doesn't like him and uh, my Just ex-girlfriend like really doesn't like him because, you know, it's like my ex-girlfriend doesn't like him. It's like, you got to get, you got to get a new therapist. You got to get somebody who's really going to tell you what you need. It's like, oh no, that's God. why I'm not with you anymore. <laughs> he doesn't tell me what I need. You know, it's very different. So I go over there. I do my laundry. And uh, I'm able to throw my laundry in, go for, for an hour, come back, fold my clothes, and then uh, head over to Trader Joe's. It's a really nice Friday. That's great. It's a Actually, lovely Friday. I'm, I'm gonna get that because everybody I've ever been able to find is find is over on the west side, like you know, uh, Sawtell at the farthest east. And for what therapy? For therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, yeah. I love it. I mean, I love it. Right now, it's all about, and maybe you and I've talked about it, but right now, it's all about um, maintenance. So it's the idea that I don't really need, I mean, it's not like, I don't really need to go, but I go just to go, okay, this happened and that happened and for somebody to listen to me and... Uh, no, no, and, and, and it's important because like, I mean, I had a good therapist in Santa Monica until he got leukemia. Mm-hmm. That was a bummer. But, you know, since then... Did he die? No, no, mm-hmm. no, he's just gone through treatment, but he's not, he's obviously not practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, since I haven't been with him, I. It's just easy, easier to deal with the stuff that comes along when you have that regular, you know, maintenance. Right. Like you were saying. It's like, okay, right. it just keeps you, reminds you, and you can, you know, God forbid, even move forward, forward on other things. You know? Clearly. And, and a lot of the people that, that I've talked to in the podcast, yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot of people, even though we might not talk about it on, uh, on the podcast, I think a lot of people are are going to therapy and talking to somebody because I think it's so important that we talk to somebody. Um, somebody that isn't my friend. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't need for, for my therapist to be my friend. I just don't. I need for him to listen. And if he thinks I'm fucking up, um, he doesn't say that. Well, he'll say, is, well, what did you feel about that? It's right, like, right. Hey, I'll figure it out myself. Yeah. No, no, no. You can't. You can't because you can talk to your friends about things, but with that kind of work, to talk to a friend about that sort of work is a, requires a whole other level of effort. Absolutely. Because you have to filter out their shit. Right. You know. And the, and the history that they know about you. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. certain things that I'm not, um, there's certain things that, uh, right. I don't think that if I say something to my therapist, they're going to go, uh, didn't we talk about that? Right. We th- and you're doing this again? It's like. Uh, you know, I can go, we yeah, did that, I go, I did that again. And he goes, okay, great, you did that again. Right. I'm like, yeah, I did that again. And the thing is with a friend, like, sometimes you have friends who are sounding boards for things, just bouncing. You have other friends who are cheerleaders. Right. You have other friends. And I think, I guess you can have a friend who's like, you know, your bullshit calling friend. Right. But I, I think that if that's just your relationship with them, right. that will take a toll on the friendship. Right. You know? and, and, like, and, I call bullshit on you, you call bullshit on me. It's like, oh, I don't so need that. So we never really hang out and have fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, for me, mostly, it's like, where am I going to go? I would just, uh, no, 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 no. I do have a lot of people who go, oh, so this one, uh, so, you know, people are saying, who calls bullshit on you? I'm like, I don't need that. I don't need anybody to call bullshit on me. Right. It's not, you know, if you want to go, you, you fucked up. I don't. I think I'm bad enough on, people are bad enough in general to, right. get, to, to say that I fucked up. I don't need a therapist to go that you fucked up or. Right, right. No, that's, right. that's what does that do? It's, yeah. You know. Okay, Groovy, that's it. All right. Thank you so fucking much. That's really great. Today's episode was sponsored by Fresh Balls, deodorant for your balls. For more information, go to www.freshballs.com. So fresh, so dry. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I am Ian Foley, and this is comedian Mel Fine with Mama Mel. Sometimes I wish I had three hands so I could flip people off inside of air quotes 
and for other reasons too. Prepare for enlightenment so bright it will sunburn your soul with Mama Mel. I try and take every opportunity that comes my way to show kindness and compassion to my fellow man. Just yesterday, I was on my way to meet a girlfriend for coffee. I saw an opportunity and I seized it. And because I did, a homeless person now has a roof over his head, a bed to sleep in, and warm meals for the next six months. All I had to do to make that happen was to text my friend telling her I was going to be a few minutes late for coffee, which took my eyes off the road just long enough to spread my kindness by running that homeless dude over. Twice. I wanted him to have a private room. Kindness. Pass it around. 